You're listening to Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Marquier. As both a Christian counselor and communicator, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. As we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. You know, this process of untangling our automatic thoughts and attitudes is not always easy, but thankfully God's word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of abundant life. So are you ready? Let us explore our current perspectives, expose distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hey friends, welcome back to Reframed. Over the last few weeks, we have been looking at some very important topics surrounding mental health, and today I want to discuss one of the most common discussed topics with my therapy work, both for myself and with my clients, and that is the topic of self-talk. So what is self-talk? You know, today I've entitled this episode, How You Talk to Yourself Matters to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to discuss this concept within therapy, this idea of what self-talk is and the different components of it. But then I also want us to broaden our perspectives on this topic by understanding it in light of the gospel. And so can self-talk be a spiritual practice? I believe it can. And I'm really hoping that through this episode, we can explore deeper the stories we're telling ourselves, the impact of those stories, aligning in them with truth and scripture, and then coming back to this idea of positive self-talk, compassionate self-talk, and the heart of God. So let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So I want to define self-talk. Let's start with a very simple definition. Self-talk is your internal dialogue, right? So we all know that one person that we live with the most and will always be living with is ourselves. And so that internal dialogue in our subconscious mind is what reveals the deepest thoughts, beliefs, and questions that we might have. So self-talk can be both positive or negative, encouraging or distressing. Psychology today... Uh, leading website and blog explains that our inner voice, our self-talk, combined with conscious thoughts and unconscious beliefs and biases provides a way for our brain to interpret and process daily experiences. Our self-talk can be cheerful and supportive or negative and self-defeating. So this 
internal dialogue can be beneficial, right? When it's positive, calming our fears and boosting our confidence. Human nature, unfortunately, and this is where we can kind of shift to this integrative perspective through um, understanding our human nature in light of scripture, we're prone to negative self-talk. And I say this a lot to my clients, right? Oftentimes, we are defaulted to this negative self-talk, to this um, sweeping generalization that we can't do it right, that we're a complete failure. The one I hear the most is, I'm just not enough. I'm just not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough, etc. And so where does this come from, right? We have to go back to scripture and understand the foundation of where self-talk has been distorted and realign it with the truth of who we are in scripture. This goes back to the importance of knowing our identity, but not just knowing it, but believing it, right? There's a passage in 1 John that I always think about when discussing this topic, because it's not just knowing God's love for us, but it's believing. To know and believe changes the way we talk about ourselves. It changes the way we live our lives and see ourselves in light of the gospel. And so that is our mission and our goal, right? As we become more conformed to the likeness of Christ, we are transformed. Our minds, right? Going back to last season and talking through this foundational application of reframing, we have to be able to go back and look at scripture and identify what about my self-talk, right, is glorifying to God. What about my self-talk is in line with the truths of God's word? And this is a really tricky thing because I don't think oftentimes we even maybe realize the subconscious thoughts that we have and the impact they have on our beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about who God thinks we are. So recently, my pastor asked an incredibly thought-provoking question in um, a sermon, and he asked us, what is the story you're telling yourself? You see, the narrative we believe about ourselves will have a significant impact on the way we live our lives. So maybe you can think about this as you're listening even today. What stories do you tell yourself? You know, my friends and I were talking about it after church that day when we heard this in the sermon, and we were laughing about the fact that if we really did contemplate what we told ourselves, like the stories that we actually tell ourselves, write them out, and then reflect on them, it's shocking to see how negative they are and how not true they are in so many different ways. And so asking yourself this question identifying the narrative that you're telling yourself and how it's impacting your view of yourself and maybe even within your relationship with God and other people. So from a therapeutic standpoint, oftentimes our self-talk is rooted in what we call core beliefs. And this is beliefs built from experiences way back in childhood. So oftentimes we're going way back to understand why do I think this way? Why is my internal dialogue an automatic I'm not enough or an automatic I have to do this or an automatic I'm not lovable? And oftentimes it's because those are the messages that we've heard in some form in our childhood and or continual experiences and adverse experiences throughout our entire lives. And so it adds up, right? The more you hear something, the more you meditate on it, the more you're reminded of it, the more you're going to start to believe it. And so these internal evaluations of our self-perception can be very impactful and correlate a lot to the way that we were raised So I want you to just pause. Maybe you're driving your car, going for a walk. Maybe you're sitting and listening to this. But I just want you to think about for a second, what 
are the messages that you tell yourself frequently? What are the stories that you believe about yourself and how do those make you feel, right? So we're doing a quick inventory for those of you that are not quote unquote feelers. I know this might be a stretch. Feel the feelings. (laughs) As I say to several of my friends, it's okay to feel the feelings. We have to connect with those emotions. So think about the internal dialogue that you've had in the last maybe 24 hours. I'm going to just guess wildly here, but I am going to assume that maybe for most of us, the thoughts that we've been having about ourselves are mostly negative. And this is a generalization and I can be completely wrong, but we have a very high, what we call in therapy, critical self. And that critical self-talk can be very dangerous and in a lot of ways can distort our view of who we are in Christ. And so this is why it matters to God, right? The title of this episode is really connecting these two things because oftentimes I think we can be hard on ourselves and think that's just kind of how I'm wired. I'm just hard on myself. But it matters to God how you talk to yourself. It truly does. The simple answer to this question of why it matters to God is that our self-talk reflects a heart that believes lies over truth. Jesus says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what our hearts are believing and holding on to are going to reflect what we believe about ourselves. And if we do call ourselves believers, then is our self-talk reflective of our identity as God's children? So think about it, right? You've had a moment to process maybe some of the more popular internal dialogues that you've had with yourself recently. Maybe it's the missed A on an exam or the disappointment with your boss. Maybe it's the thing that you told yourself when you looked at your reflection in the mirror or when you failed as a parent or spouse or friend. Now I want you to listen to how God talks about you. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture when it comes to my identity as God's child is found in Isaiah 43, one through four says this, but now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I gave Egypt as your ransom and Cush and Saba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes, honored, and I love you. I will give men in exchange for you and peoples in exchange for your life. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Scripture tells us this, that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has been passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and committing unto us the word of reconciliation. In Ephesians 2.10, we are also told that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ, for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
And first Peter two nine, God calls us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Romans eight verse two says this that the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh cannot do. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, now, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nothing present, nothing to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And First John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children, and so we are. I don't know about you, But these are really, really powerful statements that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are powerful conquerors in Christ, that we are freed from sin and shame, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation chosen by God to be his mouthpiece on earth. Something that I continually go back to is this beautiful picture that we see in Ephesians 2 about being God's workmanship. He crafted us and designed us. It says created in Christ. And this is not just physically, but created in Christ as a change of nature as we come to him. For good works, for things, for beautiful things, your talents, your giftings. These are given to you by God, created in advance so that we may live them out in our lives. What does it mean for us to live as a new creation, to take hold of our place as God's children, and to know that we are loved, to know that God walks with us through both the challenging waters and the painful fires of life, because he called us and he formed us and he created us each by name. I don't know about you, but for me, these truths about me oftentimes, more than often, conflict with the way I speak about myself and the stories that I tell myself on a daily basis. And if we look back in scripture, we see, you know, Satan is the accuser, as we're told in scripture. And so many times we allow the lies of both Satan and the brokenness of our own perception of ourselves to rob us of the truth of who we are in Christ. I'm not at all saying that this is an easy practice, but it's something I think that we can be more mindful of as we renew our minds with truth and focus our thoughts on obeying what Christ says about us over what we believe about ourselves because of our failures and our sin and our struggle. We are sinful and broken, and that reality allows us to hold space for God's grace in our lives. And I don't know about you, but this is a really hard practice, right? The practice of receiving grace is what therapists call maybe self-compassion. And 
when we look at this from a redeemed perspective, from the gospel perspective, we see something so deep and so valuable that we can acknowledge our weakness and sin and our brokenness and our desire to be more like Christ and in that begin to receive his grace and his love for us. This is something that I want to begin to practice daily. And there's so many different ways to practice this, but I thought what I would do today in the time that we have left is walk you through a little bit of an exercise for self-exploration and then encourage you with some tools that you can take into your daily practice as you come to God, as we learn to receive grace, acknowledge our place before God as needy children in the arms of a loving and gracious and patient father. And when we do that, there's so much freedom because yes, I mess up. Yes, I make mistakes. And instead of my response being, I can't believe you did this, or you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that, right? This is what we say in therapy. You should never should on yourself. (laughs) This is a shame kind of based statement, right? And so what we learn from scripture is that God responds to our brokenness. He responds to our sin with love and with compassion. And it says that God's love and kindness should lead us to repentance. And what we see in this practice for ourselves is that when we do this, when we respond with grace to ourselves, respond with compassion to ourselves, the way we live changes. The way we live looks different because we are living in light of who we are, both broken and being used. And I'm not at all saying that this is an overemphasis of grace, right? I think we can get a little worried about showing compassion to ourselves or extending grace because we're negating holiness or we're, we're not looking at sin for what it is. And that's not, that's not what this is. In light of scripture, we see that uh, our sin separates us from God. But in our pursuit of holiness, grace is the magnification of who God is in relation to us. And so we can look back at our sin and our shame and we can say, I don't have to live there anymore. And it actually moves us out of a place of repeated cycles and into walking in freedom. Yes, I do make mistakes. And will I make them again? Most certainly, yes, because I'm not perfected until heaven. But in the moments of my humanness, I can look to God and receive grace both as fully human and redeemed children of God. Self-compassion and grace is not negating choices or just doing whatever we want because we can, because we live in grace. This is exactly why Paul says in scripture, you know, do we keep on sinning because grace will abound? By no means. The goal and the beauty of grace is that it transforms us. It reminds us of who we are and that we are no longer a slave or chained to the weight of this world in the same way we would be without Christ. And so I want to give you guys just a quick tool um, and maybe a little bit of an experience of processing these internal thoughts and feelings and being able to shift them to more compassionate, God-honoring, and maybe closer even to the heart of God. Because when we look to scripture and we see how God moves towards us in our weakness and moves towards us in compassion, we can practice that same thing with ourselves. And we want to model God's heart for us. And this will help us not only with ourselves, but in relationships to others, right? And so if you have a pad of paper and you maybe want to stop this and save it or come back to this section later to do some processing. But 
I want to walk you through a quick little exercise. It's a self-compassion exercise, and it's three parts. So you're going to take a piece of paper if you can, or you can do this in your mind. And I want you to write down the critical statements that you say to yourself in moments of frustration or disappointment. Oftentimes, these are going to be labeled like, I should, or I can't believe you did. Right? And the way we write this is this internal dialogue often is very directive at myself. So I'm going to write it in like I'm speaking to someone. You shouldn't do that. You can't do this. You're not enough. Right? These are the phrases that we say to ourselves. And then I want you to, after you get that written, take some time to do that. Maybe pause this so that you can have time to kind of reflect. And after you have those statements, I want you to look back at them. And next to them, I want you to process the response that you get from that. So for instance, if you say to yourself, you're not enough, you are just never enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, etc. What is the emotional response that you have to that? Maybe it is feelings of shame. Maybe it's feelings of disappointment in yourself or embarrassment insecurity, etc. So I want you to write down the response. This is what we call the wounded self. This is the part of ourselves that responds to that critical voice and feels something. And often it's distress, anxiety, depression, etc. Okay, so now we've had time to write down both the critical voice and the wounded voice's response. And oftentimes we are able to do these two pretty quickly because we understand our critical voice very well and we know how we feel when we are playing that story and we're saying that script over and over in our minds. But now I want to shift it uh, and I want to do this in, in an integrative way. As you look at just your wounded self, the, the vocalization of the emotions you experience in each of the categories, maybe you have three or four different phrases that you tell yourself and responses that you feel. And then this third category, I want you to think of God's response to the wounded heart. So if your critical self has a script that says something like, no one will ever love me for just who I am, and the wounded self responds with heartache, with hurt, maybe with insecurity, loneliness, right? These are all different emotions of our wounded selves. Now I want you to think about how God would respond to the wounded self. What would he say? Maybe we look back to scripture, we pull in the truths of who God is. You know, we've talked a lot over this series of episodes about God's heart for us and how he is compassionate and loving towards us. And it's interesting, we are so easily moved towards compassion for others, but it's much harder to show grace and compassion for ourselves. And so what would you say to a friend, maybe, who felt like they could never be loved? And then apply that to your own situation, to your wounded heart. And this process of identifying our critical voice, the scripts and the stories that we tell ourselves, moving to this impact right of the wound itself and then reorienting and reframing the way we see ourselves through the lens of compassion and the eyes of God changes the way we see ourselves and so maybe you have some statements that you could tell yourself on that last section of 
You know, the compassionate heart of God says, you are already loved. You don't have to win love. You don't have to work for love. You are already loved and you live loved. And so what if we started telling ourselves these things, these new scripts, these new stories of who we are? My pastor said at the end of his sermon that I mentioned earlier in the episode that the most important thing about us is that we are made in the image of God. And that is what gives us worth and value. And as I've talked about this statement with friends, we just marveled in the fact that what if we started living in that light of that truth? What if the gospel and the good news of who we are even now still undone and not perfected yet, what if we started living in that type of victory? How would that change the way we interact? How would that change the way that we see ourselves and even the way that we view God? I know for me, it has become a daily practice to identify the critical voice that's in my head, to combat the distortion of lies that I like to tell myself that Satan likes to throw at me in my shame and in sin, to be reminded and transformed of the nature of who I am in Christ Jesus changes everything for me. And so Again, this is something that we don't just learn once and think, okay, I'm going to have good self-talk. I'm going to be positive and I'm going to show grace to myself and be compassionate. It's a spiritual practice. And something that I think is really helpful in understanding spiritual practices is that we don't do them well as we practice, right? It's something that you have to get better at. And so even in our work towards positive self-talk and self-compassion, gracious um, speaking towards ourselves because of the heart of God for us, we need to remind ourselves that we're not always going to do it well. So even in our practicing poorly, we can celebrate the efforts, right? And be gracious even in that. And so I pray that this is something that we can do together collectively so that we can be encouraging one another to speak gently to ourselves, to inhale grace and exhale praise for the glory of God and his grace towards us. So I want to challenge you this week, maybe even today, to start evaluating the way you talk to yourself and remind yourself of God's heart for you. It is going to be contrary to what we say to ourselves, but we have to combat lies with truth and we have to acknowledge the stories we tell ourselves, the person that we may even believe we are. If it's not beloved child of God, it's not true. And so I hope this is encouraging and also a way to practice self-compassion with a foundation in the beautiful grace of the gospel. So thank you guys so much for listening to these episodes on mental health. And I want to close us with a prayer that comes out of Ephesians 3. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he prays this prayer over them that I want to pray over us. He says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Reframe, the Power Perspective podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest episode info, visit my website at carlymarkulier.com. Reframed, the Power of Perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.